0: Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick Network,
1: this is Outkick 360
0: with Jonathan Hutton,
2: Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. The crew is all here. We are live at 6th and Peabody with e Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Paul, look around. Look over your left shoulder as we broadcast live from the beer garden. Describe for our listening audience. Set the scene for us. You ever been to
0: Steeplechase?
2: (laughs) Oh, that's a
0: good comparison, actually. That's a nice comp. It's got a Steeplechase feel, but none of the manure smell.
2: Steeplechase, uh, Kentucky Downs, um, minus the hats, right?
0: Minus the hats. The wardrobes are a little bit
3: different, um, a little more revealing for some, the wardrobes, but a very similar (laughs) vibe and attitude. A steeplechase, as we see behind us right now. I'm Uh, glad that you got Paul to look up from that laptop and live a little. I know. Look Look around. (laughs) Look around. around. Get get off all the work, Paul, and look up and live and just look behind you right now. How late was it
2: last night for you, Paul?
0: I
3: got home 1230. It's not too bad. Fell asleep probably two. I've got a – speaking of two, I've got a two-year-old who's got a cold uh, who just wants to wake up every hour and just start screaming for daddy. Now, we bypass mom, and every hour it's daddy, daddy, and I go in and pat her on the wow. back, Chad and then she'll go comforter. to sleep. And add the comfort. And an hour later, once again, the most primal screams <laughs> you'll ever
0: hear coming from a room. Well, I, I go back. I talk to my members, and I kind of say, like, I, I want to go live at the end of the night. And last night, I really would have liked to go live because they wanted to vent, right? Sure. An interactive venting session would have yeah. been great. But then it's eleven thirty, eleven forty-five when I'm leaving. I'm like, how many people are really awake? I think a lot. Or more. sober enough to participate.
2: The uh, uh, you know the, i can't the, bring
0: myself to do it the
2: team has to and that we're, we're speaking of the AJ brown trade last night and um I, I i quickly reminded claire i was like look um kansas city and green bay went through this as well <laughs> they traded away a really good not player. one
0: receiver and four picks well, the,
2: yeah and, and the 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 fan base they were pissed right um that was the description of the titans fan base last <laughs> night um Locally, they had a season ticket holder get together. The the trade announcement was collectively booed audibly. Um, I mean, it was it was obvious. Fans are not happy with A.J. Brown oh, not no. being a part of their team. It's
3: probably 90-10 um, uh, no in doubt. terms of
2: uh, no doubt. people not liking it. But, but um, you know, the, the idea here is, okay, moving forward, how do they keep things together? and keep the offensive production moving forward, improve on it, quite frankly, because last year was not good. Uh, Consistency. Um, A.J. was banged up last year, too. That should factor into our entire conversation. They get a healthy wide receiver at rookie, um, and they get Robert Woods, who's coming off an ACL. The Robert Woods trade helps minimize this a bit. However, he's a guy that needs to come in from week one and be ready to go because it's tough to rely on a rookie to be able to do that. And without, I mean, right now, it's either a rookie or a rookie today or tomorrow, and Robert Woods who will be the main producers. The Nick Westbrook-Kina could that. have
0: a big role on opening don't, day.
2: Don't give me the Nick westbrook And they do this stuff. over
0: and over where they set themselves up for an incomplete or inexperience on opening day, which is not the way to go. you got to be ready to go yeah. opening day. And last year they weren't ready to go opening day, and the Cardinals
3: crushed. Well, and, and you mentioned – Kansas City fans, Green Bay fans, they were upset too when their guy got traded away. But what those fan bases have that the Titans don't? Go ahead. A couple things. Super bowls. Yeah. Um, they have Super Bowl titles. Go ahead. And they have Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. Exactly. And then you got Ryan Tannehill, you know, who's out fishing, <laughs> uh, drinking Celsius fitness water, that the one guy Shout he's got a, the one guy he's got a rapport with is now gone. The one guy who could elevate Ryan Tannehill to a better level is gone. So who's sitting there buying that? Man, you know, Ryan Tannehill, once he gets in here, he's really going to up the game of Nick westbrook Aquina and Traylon Burks as a rookie. No one's buying that.
0: So the people who are either quickly bought the Titans' line of thinking or who are coming around less than 24 hours later, one of the things they're saying is, oh, well, you know they, they find AJ Brown to be an ingrate because he didn't come to to uh, to OTAs and and because he sent a couple tweets, but they also call him injury prone. You know, is fair in your estimation? He missed six games in three years, which is not a lot. It's more than you'd like, and he played dinged up. But I mean, the guy said when we found him to be credible, you know, doctors told him he should have been out the one season with the two knees that he had surgery on Life quickly. Broke. And he had a 1,000-yard season that yep. year. So he might be a little ding-prone, but he's also tough, tough as hell. Well, I mean, how many did he miss this year?
3: And it was soft tissue, right, was hamstring. Three, he's had an issue with his hamstring, three, I know. Three, maybe four. I mean, if you're going to buy or sell on someone's medical, you're selling A.J. Brown based on medical for the future. He's still, I mean, he's still going to be a productive guy and good for the foreseeable future but if you're betting you're not betting on thinking games. is he is he going to get better or worse I mean that's
2: with anyone though with age are going
3: to get worse there's
2: no way to sell him right now they just signed Robert Woods who's coming off an ACL Yeah pair.
3: yeah no I'm not I'm not comparing them. I'm saying do I think that he's going to play 16 games a season 17 17 games no I don't think that based on his history and based also on Yeah so he was it shielded
0: a little bit last year because the Julio Jones conversation in Nashville was so big because he was so unlikely to play yep. that, that uh, you know, A.J. Brown's stuff was minor in comparison. So one,
3: one quick other point about this on the, the gambit being made by John Robinson the Titans and what they're saying here. The market is showing us that premier wide receivers are at an all-time high in terms of the demand for them and what they're getting paid. Which
0: Robinson said was a factor in all this. Admit this it.
3: is the reverse of that. No one's, fa- no one's accounting for the possibility that this works. What if Traylon Burks comes in as Rookie of the Year, right? What if he comes in and is as productive as A.J. Brown was last year, this year, and year one? And they've got a guy that's the same as A.J. Brown the next three years. Highly unlikely. I- I'm willing to admit that. I'll give doubt. you
0: the comparison. Stephon Diggs and Justin Jefferson.
3: Yes. Let's say that happens, though. This will lead to the devaluing of wide receiver. This is what started happening with running back. Well, I think there's two when camps get, right When you now. started seeing that guys as rookies could come in and be just as good as guys who had played a lot, That could start to happen. If this goes down, and it's not just John Robinson, but if more teams play this gambit and win, you're going to have more front offices thinking, the way the college game is played now, we're getting more athletic body types of wide receivers that can come into every draft. You can get seven or eight guys in the first round, four or five more in the second round, bring them in. They could be every bit as productive as veteran guys. Would not be a good sign for the continuation of the Diggs contract, the Devontae Adams contract, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown. I think
0: it'll take more than one.
3: That's what I said. Yeah. It's not just going to be the Titans, but that's the gamble the Titans are playing.
2: Well, it,
0: it's
3: I think the odds of it paying off, by the way, is very
2: slim. It's also I'm saying that's the gamble. Chad, here's my argument against it. It's a gamble you can make if you hit on offensive line the last two years. Yeah. Exactly. You have to get other picks right in order to play this card. You can't I just say every three years we're going to go wide receiver first or second round and replace the guy that we had that we built up that we got right because, because you got because you screwed to up the right picks a pick you got right you just traded away and meanwhile you're trying to get all these other picks right to make sure everything lines up properly to where you keep things in order moving forward down the path of Super Bowl contention and you're resigning That's a very low part of this and
0: you're resigning a very low percentage of your first round picks. Well, betting on John Robinson
3: to hit in the first round right now and thinking that's going to be good is like betting on Tennessee
2: basketball to do well in
3: the NCAA tournament. There's not recent history to show it's going to happen. I
2: don't want to come across as blaming anything other than the contract Ryan Tannehill, and here's why. Because Kansas City traded away Tyreek Hill because, as Chad just mentioned, they have Patrick Mahomes. Green Bay trades away Devontae Adams because, as Chad just mentioned, they have Aaron Rodgers. The Titans treated... Ryan Tannehill liked those two quarterbacks last night because of his contract, not because he's closer to them than he is Jalen Hurts or Tua Tagovailoa or any of these other fringe quarterbacks that these other organizations have supplemented by putting prime time number one or number two wideouts around. That's, that's my argument is Tannehill's contract facilitated this deal that they – they had to make if they want to keep other players in the fold moving forward. I'm
0: not saying I'm not saying they think he's Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. They absolutely don't. I think Tennessee Titans brass feels better about Ryan Tannehill than we know.
2: Uh, I mean, I don't know it's how. He's one of them
0: two divisions. Uh, you know, he's had bad playoff games, but... I think they they look at body of work better, and think it's going to be hard to match that body of work.
2: Better than the bottom 15 of the league, sure. But there is no way they value him more than some of these fringe QBs right now that we are all judging. Ryan Tannehill is judged based on January now. That's fair. That, and, that's and, hey, fair. And, hey, he gets credit for getting them there, helping them get there. But there, there is, to me, three years, two years ago, Whenever Brady was making the rounds, people would go to Tannehill's defense saying, no, 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 they just gave Tannehill the extension. Are they going to extend it? Oh, they did. He just he picked up for Marcus Mariota and took them forward to the AFC championship game. They're sticking with him. If Brady, who, by the way, can get out of his contract in 2022, Tampa can get out of it as well. If Brady is available, you think they're passing oh, no, on they that off they got to get now? Brady.
0: they got to get Brady.
2: But outside they of that. They feel way different than they did two years ago. Oh, than absolutely.
0: Absolutely. But beyond Brady. I I don't know because they just made a move last night that said well we can win with Ryan Tannehill without his best weapon. This is the danger. Uh, th- of, that's uh,
2: hang on. This is the danger of saying this on a Friday where they have the thirty-fifth overall selection tonight when they trade it out and there's three quarterbacks on the board. I mean we, we need to de- definitively discuss this on Monday. Yes. Okay. But
3: let's reevaluate their commitment to Ryan Tannehill as starting quarterback correct. after they pass on Malik Willis or Desmond Ritter at thirty-five. Right. Which and they that's will. fair. Or Matt Corral, Chad's guy. Um, well, we don't know that. I mean, I, I, I'm not going with definitives of this organization. Yeah, they, I sat here for months and heard every media member saying, no way A.J. Brown's getting traded. Let's go back to a week. So Not months, a week. And also Days. also months of everyone Days. saying there's nothing to see here with the social media. Right. He's going to be back, nothing to see here. They're not going to be bothered by it, nothing to see here. So let's not – by the way, Paul, great job reading the quote back last night. I know you were the one who did that to Vrabel. Yep on what he said. Totally fair. I see a lot of media also. Said,
0: Uncomfortable. I see,
3: this is what I saw last night. You've always been this way, Paul, so I'm not singling you out. You will confront in these press conferences. A lot more media now willing to confront because their pride has been bruised after a month preaching to everyone and talking down to them if they were worried about A.J. Brown moving. And now when the Titans did that to them, they suddenly feel like the rug got pulled out from under them and are much more willing to go after Vrabel and Robinson was something I noticed last
2: night. Coming up in 15 minutes, Bobby Carpenter joins us, but speaking of tonight and the three quarterbacks, I'm curious where you guys go. We have three players for the third round or beyond. So we're looking past tonight's second round into the third on who we like, who we target. Not just for the Titans, just period. Where we foresee playmakers um, uh, being targeted across this draft. And I'll start it by circling to me one of the key playmakers uh, in the draft, and it's at, at tight end. A, a do-it-all, versatile, physical player. And I think, Paul, I think you'll go along the same lines here. The The idea that tight end is devalued, that we put that to bed tonight. We put that to bed tonight because we're going to see multiple tight ends off the board. My guy's Charlie Kohler from Iowa State. Um, physical point of attack. Um, I won't call him fast, but versatile enough where he's very short handed in the intermediate routes. He's your typical run-first tight end to give you options in between the hashes.
0: And there's going to be a run. Like one tight end's going to go, and then we're going to see a run.
3: The great second-round tight end run of 2022 is headed our way. Might be I third. agree with you. Chad? Uh, I'm, look, we're sitting here. We've had this Peyton's favorite Pilsner, Orange pilsners, put in front of us. I'm a UT grad, so of course I'm going to the University of Tennessee for my pick. And Valus Jones Jr. is my favorite guy in this draft. I like versatility when you get third round and beyond. Valus Jones Jr. has a chance to be a third round guy, I think maybe more likely in the fourth round. Love his versatility, kick returner, punt returning, um, a guy that's got wiggle that can make you miss. Did a lot of things for Josh Heupel and Tennessee's offense this past year. And I think first and foremost, not a big guy. Got the speed, got the quickness, just a playmaker. He can go up and get it if he has to. Proved a lot to me in this past year with Tennessee. So I love Bayless Jones Jr. as a versatile receiving option for someone. I'm with
0: you. I'm on the tight end train. Uh, everybody says Jelaney Woods. I've seen phonetically Jelani. Woods.
3: Go on, go on.
0: We'll we'll find out tonight.
3: (laughs) I've not heard a single person say Jelani Woods. Really? Yes. You've seen Jelani? I've only known. I look at that name and I think Jelani. I do too. I have never thought Jelani when I see that name. I hope so too because that's the only. I know another Jelani spelled that way and it's it's Jelani. Well,
0: I think we'll find out by the end of tonight because we'll hear it. Uh, 6'7", 253 out of UVA, 461. That's a nice combination of size and speed. I think he's a hell of a target rangy guy models his game after mercedes lewis who uh has has had an extended career i think he'll be more productive ultimately than mercedes lewis uh very very intriguing when you see that size in action
2: again we're giving three players each for the third round or beyond paul who else do you have
0: um i really like a wide receiver out of cincinnati by the name of alec pierce um, in his final year, 106 receptions, 1,851 yards, 13 touchdowns. He started off as a linebacker. Um, I don't know how that was going to go. He's 6'3, 211, so <laughs> I don't know how much weight they could foresee him putting on. 4-4-1. Four, four, called springy. He's got a 40 inch vertical. He wins the ball in the air, a 50-50 ball guy, and uh, a very natural runner. I like the size, speed, combination, and I think he's an intriguing uh, intriguing guy.
2: I like him. I think he's a second-round pick, though. I think he's uh, earlier. I think he's earlier. No, yeah. violated. Go no, no, buzz no, me. No, no, ah, no. I, I, I think he's right there on the fringe of late second, early third, but I think he's a player that a team will trade up for.
3: Chad? I'm going to give you a guy who's got a fourth-round grade right now, but he's first-round in my heart, and you guys know my affinity for all things South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Oh, so I'm going to the That's South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Pierre Strong. Mm. And this guy, 5'11", 207, plays way bigger than that. Go watch highlight film of this guy laying the hammer to defenders coming up trying to tackle him. And this is what I love most about him. Combine, he ran a 4 40-yard dash at 5'11", 207 pounds. Climbed a lot of draft boards based on his Combine performance. Highly productive player. At the FCS level, I love Pierre Strong for someone fourth round
2: or beyond. Uh, I'm going a wide receiver uh, for my next answer, and it's because of special teams play but also because of traits. I'm drafting on size and speed in the second, third, fourth rounds of this draft. And at wide receiver Khalil Shakir from Boise State, he's 5'11 and 7'8. I'm going to call him six feet tall. He's six feet, 196, so he could go into camp at around 205. And he runs 4 3 like I, I love it uh, I, I think he's the he is the shot taker for an offense on the rookie season that's also going to be a kick returner for a team he's a he's a playmaker and he plays a style and a physical tone that I appreciate Khalil Shakir a name to watch for me um, and guys finally round number three Malcolm Rodriguez linebacker from Oklahoma State. He is a football-playing mf'er. That's the only way to describe him when you watch him play. Physical. Um, he is key and diagnosed. This is later. This is day three for me. Malcolm Rodriguez is a perfect inside linebacker, two-down player for a defense that gets after it and sets a physical tone. Hard-nosed um, on the run, and he minimizes the short passing game, which is very valuable for a player that is going to make your roster in the fifth or sixth round and a player that you want to count on that's active on game day. I clearly like guys that like to touch the football, and I'm going to another one of those guys right
3: now and a member of the all-names team. Charleston Rambo from Miami. When you get to seventh round, and this first guy's blood. got a seventh round, this first blood, first blood first blood, part two, baby, which I think is actually, the, no, actually the first blood's better film. Either way, Charleston Rambo, probably the only player from the U that's going to be drafted this year, which is crazy. Wow. to think about that, the only draft projections in the seventh round for Charleston Rambo most productive receiver on that team transferred from Oklahoma where he played for Lincoln Riley a highly productive guy not the fastest not the biggest that's why he's a seventh round projection but was very very productive at Miami
0: had a linebacker turned receiver here is a tight end turned right tackle Luke Gadecki from Central Michigan strong dude Uh, who's going to be really good in the run game, should just plug in at guard. He's played two seasons on the offensive line. It's a good enough resume for me. Uh, I'm looking for strong guards who start in the run game. And um, I've talked to offensive line people around the league. Uh, I've got one that I trust a lot who loves this guy.
2: We have a focus on the SEC when it comes to college football. We head to the Big Ten country coming up. Bobby Carpenter is about to join us from Outkick.com. And when it comes to best available defender, we head to the Big Ten for his answer. Bobby Carpenter is next on Outkick 360.
1: What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie.
2: Glad you're with us. We're recapping round one of the NFL draft. Previewing what's to come tonight and tomorrow. Outkick Network includes great stations like uh, the Upper Cumberland, Sports Radio 104.7, Coteville Cross, where we say hello to you. Somo Sports Radio in Missouri, hello. Also Fox Sports Shoals. We say hello up in Ohio to Bobby Carpenter of Outkick.com, who joins us weekly, and a great time to talk some ball with, uh, with the guy who's played collegiately, drafted in the first round, and knows the NFL game very well. Uh, Bobby, uh, thanks for the time. Uh, going into last night, we were saying, will we see as many trades as we, what we normally see in a quarterback draft? Uh, turns out more.
4: Yeah, it was pretty wild because I was one of the people that didn't think there would be many trades going in, and I think it was kind of indicative of there weren't going to be trades where people were jumping up incredibly high. You know, up at the top, people maybe didn't necessarily see the value in those top 10 picks. But all of a sudden, you get to pick, what was it, pick 10, Garrett Wilson goes, and then, bam, all of a sudden, New Orleans jumps up big time to go get Chris Olave. Detroit comes up from 32 to get Jamison Williams. Then all of a sudden, you got Jordan Davis still floating around. Baltimore thinks he's falling in their lap, and all of a sudden, Philly shoots in and usurps him. So I think that there were players... In this draft, the team's really liked, really wanted to target. The over-under for wide receivers was 5.5. I thought Dotson would end up being the sixth guy. You know, I thought Traylon Burks would be the fifth. That ends up, you know, Dotson goes, I think, fifth. Burks goes sixth. And, but heck, they were all gone before pick 20. Like, I almost feel bad for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They probably thought you know, maybe two or three guys could still be available at that point in time. But with that run on wide receivers and how quickly – that can start to spiral out of control. And, you know, we'll get into everything with the Tennessee Titans and A.J. Brown. But, I mean, all those things start happening. And then, you know, poor Aaron Rodgers, the Packers, are sitting there holding their hands up like, we probably (laughs) were going to take a wide receiver. There just wasn't anyone there worth taking. What'd you
0: make of the Hollywood Brown deal? Because um, on on his way out, he, he said he told Lamar Jackson, who he's close with, it's the
4: system it's just not uh, it's not the system for me well the system is lamar jackson it is it's a lamar jackson centric system if you're a receiver who wants to go out and catch 95 to 100 balls that's not going to be it however like hollywood brown was he got plenty of pub mean, he's a great deep ball threat they always see these overloaded boxes he's their play action guy down the field So, dude, you can go catch 65, 70 balls and still have 1,200 yards because you're catching 40 and 50-yard touchdown passes just due to the coverage you see because of your quarterback. A little bit, he might be saying, is the system, and he can say that all he wants, but probably some of it is, too, the fact that Lamar Jackson isn't the most accurate thrower in the NFL from the pocket, and that's a real fact. So, you know, I know he says that, but I, I think a little bit, that's probably him being kind to Lamar. But he wanted to go back, play with Kyler Murray. I get that in Arizona. And, you know, the rumor was that he's been unhappy about this for months. When this is kind of being the work, Heck, I think he was at the Arizona Cardinals draft party, you know, by the time this thing was all, all said and done. So it wasn't like he, this was unexpected by any stretch.
2: Bobby Carpenter with us. You can follow him on Twitter at bcarp3. Best available defensive player, according to Bobby Carpenter, tonight is which player?
4: I love Nakobe Dean, and he's probably the easy choice. But you know, if you look at it, you know a bunch of edge rushers went you know up high. I think George Karloftis was one of the guys who went a little bit lower, who I really liked. The Chiefs got him at thirty. Uh, but Boye Mafe out of Minnesota, he's pretty raw. But if you're looking for an edge rusher, maybe you are one of those guys at the you know, from probably about eighteen to thirty-two, and you didn't really get that edge rusher you wanted. I think Boye Mafe could be that answer for you, you know, he's, he's a very long athletic dude and can bring a lot to it um like i said nicobe dean i think is the easy answer because he'll probably be one of the first guys off the board but Boye mafe i think we could have been that you know eighth or eighth guy for the big ten going in the first round i really like him early on in the second day
3: bobby let's talk about nicobe dean because you get all these georgia defensive guys a historic night for georgia's defense going off the board yet the, unherald, the the leader, the guy that everyone would say is the leader of that defense, N'Kobe Dean, is still there in the second round. What am I missing with N'Kobe Dean? Because he's also my favorite player
4: of this draft. So you know, here's the problem with N'Kobe Dean is he now becomes a victim of measurables. And he's athletic. He can move. He's very instinctive. He's a leader. He's a great high-character guy. He's checking every box. One issue he has is he's not all that tall. Now, when you play linebacker, if you're going to be a three-down guy, it's tough to be under six-three, just given the fact that they're going to line you up and they're going to try to have you matched up on tight ends. And you start looking at some of these tight ends; guys are six-five, six-six. You know, they're they're going to be high-pointing the ball. You've got to go contest it, and it's really hard. I mean, heck, I was six-three, and I didn't want to get in jump ball contest, you know, with uh, Tony Gonzalez down the field, you know, and guys like that, just because it was so tough to be able to win. So I think he's a victim probably of the measurable height a little bit at this point. Someone's going to get a really good football player. I play with an undersized linebacker. and You guys in Tennessee would be familiar with him before we signed him in Detroit. Uh, Steven Tulloch came yeah. out in my draft class. Not a very tall guy. I played at NC State, you know, but was instinctive, could get to the ball, ran pretty well. You know what? All right, he'd always tell me, Bob, you go take the tight end, I'll take the running back. Like, I got it, dude. That's fine, he goes, I don't want to get in stuff. You don't want to get in that mess with the tall guys. So, someone's going to get Nicobe Dean, they're going to get a really good player, and he's probably going to play for him for about a decade, and they're going to be happy with it. But all those other guys, gentlemen, you know, when you're looking at the diamonds, man, they're the big stones, they're the shiny stones, they've got the great, uh, great color grades on them. And Nicobe Dean's just sitting there, like, hey, man, all these guys are shiny, they're long, they're athletic, they have all the measurables you want, but in reality, I find it if you draft good football players from good programs and ask them to do the same thing they did in college, you'll have success. Someone will do that with the Kobe Dean. He'll be fine.
2: Bobby, yesterday we had a topic about which player we think will be selected higher than where the mocks had them. I went, Paul, with Jermaine Johnson. I went with him early to Houston. I bought into the hype of Jermaine Johnson. We did not see that last night, and Paul.
0: You like the Jets trading up to the Titan spot at
4: 26 to go get him, didn't you? I love that because, we, like you said, some of the value in getting players is where you're getting them. You With know, The Jets, you know, they probably thought, okay, we got uh, we got our corner, we got Sauce up top, then we get Garrett Wilson. I think the receiver they wanted anyway. People talked to maybe going for him at four, so you get your two guys. They pass on Jermaine Johnson and possibly an offensive tackle. Those were kind of the four positions they needed, and all of a sudden, Jermaine Johnson. You have a top 10 grade on him, and this is why the draft is so unpredictable. You could be someone you have a top 10 grade on, and all of a sudden that dude's hanging out there in the mid-20s. And you're sitting back and you the second round, like, what are we waiting for? We're not gonna be able to get this dude again. Let's go up and get him. So the Jets go get Jermaine Johnson. 12 sacks, you know, at Florida State, played at Georgia before that. I mean, it's not like this guy can't play. You know, he checks a lot of the boxes. The Jets did a great job being aggressive and going and getting their guy. Just because he falls doesn't mean he's not a good player. I cannot believe he fell as far as he did, and the Jets were really lucky to pick him up there.
0: You've got proximity to the Ohio State guys, obviously. Uh, Based on your Twitter feed, you weren't impressed with Drake London going as the first wide receiver. One thing I'll say is is all the highlights I watch, Garrett alone catching balls because he's already run and gotten open. London going up over people constantly in
4: traffic. Yeah, I mean, Drake London, the one thing he's not, I don't think he's a big-time separator. So if that's the case, man, better be a great contested ball catcher. And, you know, Michael Thomas uh, down in New Orleans, you know, he he gets good separation from his routes. He's not overly fast, but he also has huge hands and does a great job catching the ball in traffic. I'm not down on Drake London. I thought he was probably, was going to be the second or third receiver taken behind uh, Wilson and potentially behind uh, Jamison Williams on where he went, depending on how people valued that injury and factored that in. But, you know, London goes, you know, the Falcons, and look at who the Falcons have drafted. You know, they had uh, Judy, they've had uh, Julio Jones. Like, they draft taller receivers. And because of that, I think they probably wanted someone with a little more height. You look at Williams, you look at Olave, you look at Wilson, they have good height. They're all over six feet tall. They're not short. But none of those guys are the six three, six four, six five dynamos that you're going to be able to see. That's where I thought you know a lot of hay was made in the draft. Wilson goes at ten. They get their guy. I mocked. I did a full thirty two, a full thirty two pick mock, which was crazy. I don't know why I did it. And I thought Olave would go to the Saints at sixteen. All of a sudden, they fire up there, go get him at eleven, and then the lion, and then the Lions jump back up, and uh, go get. I'll go get Jamison Williams. So I think it was a huge coup for them to get a player who many people viewed as probably the best receiver in this draft. And he's sitting there at 12, and that's what led to that stinking run on receivers, which was so impressive.
3: Well, and what a night for your Buckeyes uh, with the receiving core last night. Three in a row, really, if you count Jamison Williams, a former Buckeye, which is unprecedented, Bobby Carpenter our guest on Outkick 360. Let's talk about another receiver. The comparison's going to be made between A.J. Brown and Traylon Burks forever now that that trade happened and the Titans traded up and drafted Burks. Let's compare the two, Bobby. What do you think in terms of traits, in terms of production in the SEC West? What do you see with Traylon Burks coming in now as a rookie compared to maybe what you see from A.J. Brown now, but also A.J. Brown coming out of Ole
4: Miss? Well, you know AJ Brown coming out of Old Miss, that's more appropriate to compare to Traylon Burks coming out of uh, coming uh, coming out of Arkansas because we're looking at AJ Brown right now and what he's done after you know four or five years in the NFL, what you're able to do and build up and become an elite player. You okay, want to get paid, and you also have to look at it like this: he's getting twenty-five million dollars a year. You know, Traylon Burks, he's cap controlled. He's going to be getting probably a third of that. And so now you have that money to be able to allocate to other resources. So he doesn't necessarily have to be A.J. Brown. I think he could grow into that. You look at Traylon Burke's huge hands. Everybody makes a big story about that. But he's physical, strong run after catch. He shares a lot of the same traits, guys, that A.J. Brown does. He's just younger. He's a little more raw. So there's going to be a developmental process. I don't know if you can sit here and say that he's going to be a borderline All-Pro after his first or second year, but I think he will be a very talented team, and he'll be able to do a lot of the things in that system with the reverses and all the uh, the run after the catch and all the screen game that A.J. Brown gave him. And So they looked at this and said, hey, we can get a guy that's pretty close. Maybe he becomes as good, maybe better, maybe a little worse. We feel really confident about it, and he's going to cost about a third as much as what A.J. Brown's going to ultimately cost. And that's just good financial business. You look, San Francisco has kind of done that for years. I thought they may trade Debo Samuel and say, hey, I thought they may draft uh, Burks and try to do the same thing with him, you know, because those guys are kind of similar type players.
2: And they, Who knows? Maybe we see Debo Samuel move tonight uh, when it's all said and done. Bobby, uh, from a Philadelphia perspective, they now have Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown. I believe Dallas Goddard is still there. Uh, we know they can run the football. What does this mean for Jalen Hurts in that division?
4: Um, you know, it's it's big. I mean, he's got the weapons that he needs. You know, we're going to see uh, what he's able to do and if he's going to be able to go out and have some success. I mean, that's ultimately now, you know, this is what these teams have started to do. They start building these you know these monsters around their quarterback, and it's saying, hey, buddy, you have all the weapons. We've given you all the tools that you ultimately need. Now, with these tools, what are you going to be able to do? and we're gonna have a pretty pretty stout defense there i mean they picked up jordan davis i mean they they uh they've set themselves up with the offensive weapons and trying to also rebuild that defense where jalen you have everything you need we're going to see what you can do and see if you can grow on last year it's not all that different than what they're doing with tua down in miami and they're building it up in detroit we're going to make sure that our quarterback has everything they need and so we're going to be able to properly assess whether they can or cannot improve and play at the level we need them to if they can't all right it's time to cut bait and ultimately move on but i love what philly's done i mean they stripped this thing down and they've gotten a lot better probably a lot quicker than people imagined
2: so in in the latest example of all picks are not created equal if detroit makes this pick it's leading many national storylines today it ridiculed but new england drafts cole strange and it's like oh of course bill belichick spotted a diamond in the rough. what does he know he knows something what did you think when cole strange was the selection at 29 overall from ut chattanooga
4: here's the thing cole Cole strange i think is probably a fine player i didn't watch a ton of him um obviously you said he's tennessee chattanooga and there's a good chance he'll go on to be a great player but the value comes at where you could have gotten him did you have to take him ultimately in the first round and you know, I don't know if you saw the the Sneed and McVeigh comments when they're sitting there they didn't have a pick because why well, yeah. blank those picks and yeah. they're like you know we were scouting him thinking we could have got him at 104 guys <laughs> you know like they're laughing about it and maybe you don't get laughing. him in the fourth round or late third but he may have been more like his second yeah. early third round pick and so that's the question is when you get that guy maybe overdraft him Bill Belichick gets a lot of leeway but he better turn out to be to be a starter and be a good player for you You think the quarterbacks come off the board quickly
0: now, or has a statement been made about their value that suggests they may
4: last a while? Well, I think you'll probably start to see where the corrals, the how, uh, how Malik Willis. I think those guys will start coming off because, you know, if you look at it, you know, Atlanta, you know, Desmond Ritter's in there too. Maybe Tennessee could draft a guy, Seattle, like, no one wanted to put first-round capital into these guys, and that was smart because I don't – Kenny Pickett is a nice player, but you, know, you start looking at some of these other players in the draft, and it's like they're better relative to their position, and we always overdraft quarterbacks. And I'm I'm kind of impressed with the discipline that these teams showed, but I do believe that you'll probably start to see a lot of jockeying here around the first half of the second round to grab one of these guys because there are more developmental pieces at that point. You don't have to force them on the field. Quite as quick, And if they end up being a great player, then it looks phenomenal because you didn't have to spend a first-rounder on them.
2: Forgive me, Bobby, for not knowing this. Did you go to Radio City whenever you were drafted?
4: I did not. Back in the day, you know, they only had five guys. It was a Saturday deal. I stayed at my parents' house. And, like, as good as that is, I'm watching Kenny Pickett, man. You guys saw it last night. Yeah. His, his girlfriend looked miserable. He's stressing. <laughs> he's sweating. Can't even imagine a Kobe being waiting there for four hours, not getting picked. If I'm at least not gonna get picked, I wanna be sitting at my house with a cold drink in my hand, not eating pretzels and like nuts out of a plastic jar. (laughs) I wanna make sure I got some food, a nice spread. And that's what we did at my parents' house, man. We had probably 150 people there, friends, neighbors, youth sports coaches, high school teammates. Some of my college teammates that were still in school and like, you know what, come on down. Get a couple kegs, get a bunch of of handles of bourbon. Let's have a good time, man. Let's celebrate it. We're going to watch a lot of guys get picked that we know, have a good time with it. And if it's not me, all right, at least I'm enjoying myself and not sitting there with this stinking camera in my face wondering how long it's going to be as you're sweating to death underneath your suit.
2: Although you're not weighing the pros of this, if you're drafted in the first round in Las Vegas, the party is off the chain.
3: I, I kind of like Bobby's party that he had. It sounded, it sounded <laughs> off the chain there with the
2: kegs and the –
4: Handles of, of Jack. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a good time, man. I'm gonna be honest. I mean, it was such a good time. Our our high school basketball coach, my dad was the football coach. His son was a good friend of mine. So was his daughter. He literally walked through our sliding screen door because he did not see it by that point in the night when he couldn't. He'd probably been overserved of didn't. to say hey. the least. It was it was a good time. Vegas would be fun, but guys, yeah. like too, can't get that many people. Like the NFL, they they they've expanded it. Man, are you going to fly? Like, I had three brothers, my parents, my, my girlfriend, who's now my wife. Like, they're not going to fly a bunch of people in, man. They've, they've expanded it somewhat. Man, I want something where it's going to be fun for everybody. And it, I don't want it to be on my dime. It's a television show. The NFL is making money on it. It should be taking care of these guys more. And frankly, guys, I don't want to go out there and have to give Roger Goodell a hug. Thankfully, it was Paul Tagliabue for us. All these guys hug him. I'm like, that's the dude that's going to give you a suspension. So we act like we're buddies. Someone just needs to dust him and walk right on by.
3: Bobby, uh, thank you for giving us an actually enlightening and entertaining draft night story. Because one of the more tired traditions in all of broadcast the draft, the opening where they go to the former player analyst and say, tell us how you felt on oh. NFL Draft Night. Oh, it was a culmination of all the hard work, and <laughs> it was emotional having my parents and my high school coach there, and it just really is a big, important night for all these guys. And let's go to the next player. What do you think? Oh, it was a culmination of all the hard work, and it's a big, important <laughs> night. It is the most tired thing, and at least you gave us yeah. an actual well, entertaining draft Keith night Bullock's got a good so one, you too. You, Keith,
0: Keith
4: Bullock uh, snuck off to uh, – do it number two.
2: Use the restroom. Yep. They yeah, got well, the call.
4: Here's the, it, it was all those things that you said, but all I remember is it being about nine o'clock. It was the longest draft I think they'd had in history. And my dad comes outside and he's like, "Hey, you got to get your boy Miller under control. Like he's trying to fight one of the assistant principals, <laughs> you know, from something that he wronged him like six years before when he was a sophomore in high school." You know, it was it was that kind of night where people had had so much fun. I mean, it was a multiple trip to the store to keep refreshing libations. So I wouldn't have traded that for anything, you know, and it was a culmination of that and the emotions. But man, it was a party. It was a great time. And I'll never forget the voice of Jerry Jones. Hey, Bobby, it's uh, it's, uh, Jerry Jones on the phone. You know, uh, we're going to be taking the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, it was it was truly a remarkable evening. Uh, but I hardly remember any of it, given what had happened. Well, uh, oh.
2: next week you'll tell us the story of partying with Jerry Jones and him walking through a glass door. Uh, that'll, be <laughs> the, uh, that'll be next week's story from Bobby Carpenter. Hey, great perspective, man. We appreciate Thank you. you. and you. We'll, and we'll catch up soon.
4: You guys enjoy it, man. It looks like a good time out there.
2: Yeah, man. Hey, get draft your
4: buddies party. down here. Let's go.
3: Get the guy who tried to fight the assistant principal back in the day down here. He'd <laughs> love it at 6th and Peabody. In
2: fact, he's here. He's on one of the party buses Our, our, right our now. kind of guy. Yeah. Hey, you yeah. got
3: to get your guy inside under control <laughs> trying to fight everyone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> love that. Uh, we're live at 6th and Peabody recapping the NFL draft. Coming up, our favorite player remaining on the board going into round number two. And we can tell you it's not the name or the player that Bobby Carpenter – just listed. That's next and out kick three sixty. Coming up in eight minutes, Josh Heupel, head coach of the Tennessee Volunteers, will be with us. And in about 30 minutes, Rick Barnes of the Tennessee basketball program will join us on set here at Outkick 360, 6th and Peabody, our location. That was the spot for the Big Orange Caravan, which was on site yesterday as we went off air. We chatted with both coaches. They'll be with us coming up in the final hour of today's program. I feel like Tied end is getting a raw deal in this draft. And I say this because tight ends should be valued not at the same level of wide receiver, but they are used in big moments by the best teams just the same way. And that's why my favorite player remaining in the NFL draft is Trey McBride from Colorado State. Um, Look, physical, he he is a blocker first, but it is a 1A, 1B combination that makes him the best tight end in this draft. And... I feel as though there will be a run on tight end midway through the second round. I would be jumping up if I've got a top ten pick in the second round and I'm in need of a position like tight end. He's the guy. He is the number one option at a position that is going to be ripe with prospects between rounds two and rounds four. Trey McBride from Colorado State.
3: Boys, say it with me. N'Kobe
2: Dean. N'Kobe, N'Kobe Dean. Dean.
3: N'Kobe Dean. I'm going to keep saying oh, it Dean. and keep hammering it home until this guy's drafted. Luckily for everyone, he should be drafted pretty quickly yep, tonight. Sh- should be. So shortly after our show ends, the draft starts an hour <laughs> later. Maybe I'll stop preaching about N'Kobe Dean He's going at that to point. Is that what you're saying? Maybe. Oh, okay. uh, you know, someone's going to be very smart to pick up N'Kobe Dean because – on a star studded Georgia defense that was loaded with NFL talent, he's the one who jumped out to me every single time I watched Georgia. Playmaking, getting guys lined up, smart football player, the anticipation, well. every intangible
0: about character and leadership yeah. and everything. I'm with Check you.
3: all those boxes. I love Nickobe Dean. BK?
0: I'm sticking with Arnold Ebbakati. From Penn State, who I thought might go in the first round. I think he's going to go pretty early here. Uh, Yeah, it's evolving.
3: Evolving. (laughs) It's good. The evolution Uh, has really done well.
0: Yeah, he's uh, almost 6'3", about 250. He's a a twitchy edge guy. I like twitchy edge guys. And I think... um, There there are plenty of teams here early in the second who are still going to want edge edge help.
2: Uh, This is the draft Nick guy coming out of me. Uh, He would be described as bendy. Motorcycle lean is is that type of guy. Does he have a counter move, right? If he did, I think he's a top player amongst the group we saw last night. But I'm with you. I think he's a, a strong, productive player at the next level. He's early tonight as well. Great picks all the way around. Coming up, Josh Heifel joins us. A high pick next year could be his quarterback, Hendon Hooker. We asked Josh Heifel about the draft analysis of Hendon Hooker. That's next on Outkick 360.